is the working of God, it's not man. And I want to thank every one of you for standing behind I Impact Christian Center. You sacrifice not just your money, you sacrifice your time. Even the pastor that God placed over this church sacrifice his lives. The elders also sacrifice their lives to their children turn to risk their life so that the gospel of the kingdom will be established among the Egypt people group. Not just that alone. Even there is also financial sacrifice both to my family and also to the Egypt work. Today, the kingdom that was called unrich many years ago is no more called unrich people group. They are not called rich people group. They are not rich with the gospel because this church married to I Impact Christian Center and stood by us. And today, the work have spread and taken hold of that kingdom. Shall we clap our hand one more time for Jesus Christ? Thank you so much. So my wife and I, uh, this beloved woman whom the Lord have given to me, we have married for 22 years. <laughs> and God have blessed us with five children. She is by name Praise Nanaye Okotie. And every one of you know my name as Wilson Okotie, the general overseer of I Impact Christian Center, Nigeria. Uh, God has done so much for us through this ministry, Faith Christian Church. Uh, if I begin to analyze them, uh, I don't think two hours is enough to analyze everything. When my children were in elementary school in Nigeria, we call it primary school, this church started sponsoring the schooling of my children. And my first son, when I started taking him down to the village, and I had the burden that there must be a clinic in that Egypt land. And that is the thing that triggered him to read medicine and surgery today in the university. By the grace of God, I don't want to go into detail, God opened the door. This church trained this boy for 12 years, from elementary one down to high school, which we call secondary school, and finished the secondary school, wrote the exam, and God opened the door that the Federal Republic of Nigeria, the federal government, and I gave my son scholarship to, to read medicine and surgery in a private university. I don't pay a dime for his school fees. I don't pay for his feeding. I don't pay for his books. I don't pay for the accommodation. The government is paying almost $20,000. I believe that is the handwork of God. But I want to thank this church because you people stood by us. I want to sing this brief song. Please be patient with me. Don't mind me. Uh, let's sing this song. My soul magnify the Lord. My spirit praise the Lord. For death cannot hold him captive. Even in the grave, Jesus still remained as Lord. Right in our lives, Jesus remained as Lord. Can you sing it so that I join up with you? Okay. Yeah. My soul must magnify the Lord. My spirit Captive, even in the grave. 
Jesus is Lord, even in the land. Jesus is Lord, my soul, my soul, most magnified the foundation of my Christianity. Before I start, can we just bow down our head briefly? Let me pray. Spirit of the living God that dwells within us, we come to the throne of the Father in the name of Jesus. We come that you might open our understanding to understand the mystery of the kingdom. We come that this testimony I'm about to give will strengthen your people. We empower everyone here. I ask you to energize to strengthen everyone. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Many years ago, I lived a life of frustration. Why? Number one, because I was born into a family of polygamy. My father married seven wives and gave birth to 17 children, three girls and 14 boys. I am the first child of my father. So I have 16 younger ones behind me. To worsen the situation, my father worship a demon that is behind matters. What does that mean? It will get some, some iron, which is matters, put them in a room, and every year it will sacrifice the blood of chicken for that demon behind the matter. Why was, she, why was he doing it? Because he needed spiritual protection for his life, the lives of his wives and children. I grew up in that kind of environment and in that family. Every year my father refused to sacrifice chicken for that demon. The demon will turn around and fight the family. There will be affliction in the family. Calamity in the family. I grew up seeing my younger ones get sick. At the time, I was told by which doctor, my father was told, my mom was told that your first son is going to be lunatic. Why? They said because the demon is after the first boy. That I must be the next demonic prince after the death of my father to worship that demon 
that is behind the matter. By the time I became 26 years old, I became desperate to escape from this demonic force. But what can flesh and blood do when demon is in control? There is nothing I can do. I try to escape, but it's not possible. So I started searching for something that is higher than that demonic force to rescue my soul. And that made me miserable, frustrated. One day, I was moving along the street of a little town called Sapele in Delta State of Nigeria. And I saw a white-skinned man with a Bible moving along the street shouting, Repent! Give your life to Jesus! Thou shalt not kill! Thou shalt not steal! He was just quoting the Ten Commandments. So when I saw the white-skinned man along the street publicly, just moving, preaching, so I go closer to the man to know what he was actually saying. I never knew at that time that he was an American because most of the time it's the British people that come down to Nigeria. So I thought maybe he's a British man. I never knew he was an American man. So when I go closer, suddenly he changes message. And I believe that is the Holy Spirit. He yes. changes message from Ten Commandments. He started saying, if you are tired of demonic oppression in your family, Amen. if you know that Jesus, that you, this demonic power is oppressing your family, and you are not ashamed to come and meet me here now. If you can come and give your life to Jesus, Jesus will rescue you from that demonic force. When he mentioned that, I was amazed. How did this man knew that my family was going under demonic oppression? That was the thing that captured my mind. And I went closer to him. And I said, I want this Jesus. That day, I gave my life to Jesus. That was how I became born again. In the month of March, 1991. After I got born again, right there, I pleaded to him, can you please take me to your home? And he said, why? Why will I take you to my home? You can come and meet me. I have some other guys that I'm training. Just come and join up with me. So I said that I beg you. Take me to your home. So he asked me again, why? And I gave him the story of my family. And then I said, okay, how old are you? I said, I'm going to 27 years. He said, well, you are a man. You can take your decision at the age of 27. You, you are matured enough. If you want to go with me to my place, no problem. You can come tomorrow. To my house and that was how I stayed with him in his house for three years I just my job is just to clean the home there was no washing machine I washed the clothing with my hands all the clothing of his wife and children I do the cooking in the home I was just doing domestic job every day it would spend two hours to teach me alone in his house. Then we will go 
and join with the other guys. And we spent about three hours with all of us. That was what it was doing with me. At the end of three years, he came up and said, I am going back to the state. And he gave me $100. He said, but I'm going to raise funds. So I will come very soon. I will come very soon. Three months have passed, six months. One year, this guy is not coming at that time to communicate. There's no way of communication. So I became frustrated. I don't know what to do. I became confused. I have learned all the theologies. Everything he learned from the Bible school, he have poured all on my head. The theology, the Christology, the Bibleology, all the logis and logis. <laughs> so I don't know what to do with all the logis. So I was confused at that time. So I now decided for the first time in my life, for 27 years, I've never done it once. I decided that I should go to a room, lock up myself, and fast. I never ate food. I never drank water for seven days. It was after the seven days fasting I realized that Fasting don't kill Christians. <laughs> That's when I realized it. I thought I would die, but I just discovered I never died. I only got weak. I became shrink, uh, very tiny, very thin, but I never died. During the seven days fasting, I will encourage you, please, when you are going through some challenge, and you want to hear from God. Separate yourself from everybody. Lock yourself up. Let God speak to you. That is very important in Christianity. If not, we will see things happening. We will get confused. The only solution is to go back to the one that created you. During this seven days fasting, the Lord gave me a dream. And here is the dream. In the dream, I flew down to a river. And I saw fish of the same kind, the same size, the same color, very many. So I was wondering, looking at those fish, and suddenly I heard a voice from the cloud. Go down the river, dip your hand inside the water. Take few fish out of the water. That I did. Immediately I did that, I realized that electricity current flow out of my hands into those few fish. And I heard the voice again from the cloud, release them back into the water. And I obeyed that instruction in the dream. I released them back into the water. Then I was looking at those few fish that I released. I realized that Every other fish that they are fin with touch will be electrified. Every other fish, their fin touch, they will be electrified. They started electrifying other fish like them in the water. And I was amazed and suddenly I heard a voice, go to the next river and do the same. Then I woke up from the dream. This dream came because I went to the Lord and spent some time with the Lord. I started thinking of this dream. What does this mean? 
because I don't know how to interpret dream. What does this mean? After three months, one day I just decided to read my Bible, the book of Revelation. So as I was reading the book of Revelation, I came across Revelation chapter 17, verse 15. Revelation 17, verse 15. When I read that verse, the scripture now says, The waters which thou sawest, where the woe or womoga, depend on the version you are using, seated, are people, kingdoms, nations, tongues. Immediately the Holy Spirit started interpreting my dream to me that the water represent a kingdom. The fish you saw in the water represent the people in that kingdom. Your primary job on head is to go into a kingdom Get few men out of the kingdom. Electrify them with the everlasting gospel of Jesus. And release them back into that kingdom. Then they will be the one to electrify their own people with the gospel of Jesus. When I got that revelation... When God explained my dream to me, oh, I started worshiping God, thanking God. Now, here is another challenge. Nigeria is a very big country. Over 150 million people. More than 300 tribes. And each tribe has a lot of kingdoms. And each kingdom has their kings. So the question is this, which kingdom will I go to get few men, shock them, and release? I started praying. So I was expecting that I will sleep again and I will dream another dream. But surprisingly, I slept many times. I tried it and I never dreamt. I dreamt nothing. So because God walked with you in one pattern last year does not mean it's going to use the same pattern this year. That is something I learned there. So, I was sitting down one day and suddenly a thought came into my heart and that is the Holy Spirit telling me, go to the Egypt people group. Now, the Egypt people group they are natural enemy to my own tribe, the Ishekiri. The reason is because of this crude oil issue and political position between the Ishekiri tribe and the Ijo tribe. So that conflict has been there for longer time than after some years, it, it now spring up, which brought the death of so many people. My village was burned down. My, my uh, grandfather compound was burned down. God sent me to this people group. My brethren, if not for God, if not that God have actually walked in my heart, and if not that God is the one pushing me, I don't think... I would have gone there. But God did it. And I'm glad that I respond to the voice of God. When I first entered into that kingdom, there was no existing church that was affecting the kingdom. Number two, the government built 
elementary school buildings. But there's no teachers. And there is no children going to those school buildings. So there was no school. Number three, there is no clinic in that old kingdom of approximately a million people up to this present time that we are talking. But God being faithful, after I married to my wife, the kingdom opened before me. God brought Faith Christian Church to partner with us and we embark on a vision to first capture the nine major communities in the Egbema Ejo Kingdom to plant churches in the nine major communities. And God, in his faithfulness, when Faith Christian Church came alongside with us, today, a place without a church, now have 14 churches in those, in 14 different villages with indigenous pastors pastoring those churches. Not just that alone, it proceeds even to the town of Sapele to now have two more churches in the town, making it to be 16. Shall we clap our hands for Jesus for that? That is the finger of God. It's not by the making of men. If someone walk into this church and see the population of this church, then move down to Israel land and see what this church and I impact have done together, then they will be wondering, how does it happen? It happened because the Holy Spirit caused it to happen. So I want to thank every one of you for that. The king, at a time, I made a mistake. Let me share this. I wanted to cut it off before, but let me say it. When we started, when we started the work, we planted the first church. In the process, because of the zeal, I was moving around, preaching. Then we already have some group of people in the church. Then one day, I called them. I said, we are going to humiliate the demonic gods that control the Egypt people called Igbesu. We will we, we humiliate that demon. So we will go out and sing a song. And this is the song. Jesus power, super power. Jesus power, super power. Igbesu power. You are powerless power. We crush down Igbesu. We kick Igbesu. You are powerless power. I never knew it was a big time mistake. <laughs> when I did that and we were just singing, suddenly four young men came to me with AK-47 and get hold of me and said, the king want to see me. They took me to the king's palace and the king said, sit on the floor, foolish preacher like you. What right do you have to speak against Ibesu? Don't you know this is the power that controls the angels? To cut this story very short, I was taken down to the forest, tied to the tree, and God used one chief, very influential chief in that kingdom to rescue me. It was not easy. Right in the bush, 
I cried bitterly. I complained to God. I, as if God was no longer with me. But God intervened and rescued my life. Today, I'm alive. I marry to a granddaughter of the former king. And that kingdom has been touched by God. After many years, the king finally gave his life to Jesus. Yeah, when Lord, Pastor Nick came along with, uh, uh, with Pastor Terry, he gave his life to Jesus that day. I thank God that God walked in his life. He's dead. He died this year. And he has gone to meet with the Lord. My father-in-law that was actually protecting me also in that area died last year. Now, the church have great influence in the entire kingdom that any decision that will be taken in that kingdom, you must involve the members of the church. Why? Because in every community, you will see the community leaders in our church. They are our members. So when the community leaders want to take decision, they are members from our church sitting down with other people to decide what should happen in the kingdom. That is a great work that the Lord is doing in that place. What are we doing presently now? What is my major goal now? My major goal are two presently. Number one, not to go ahead and begin to plant new churches, but to stabilize the one we have planted between 2002 to this time. They have to be stabilized. There's a lot of shaking. You know, when churches are planted, one, two, 14, 15, 16, there must be some shaking. The devil must come against it. So the spiritual leaders must stand their ground and be able to stabilize the work. So my present job, me and my wife's job right now, is to stabilize the job and make it more stronger and let all the, our investment in that place should never be in vain. That is my number one goal. When the work is strong and we have more leaders in the church and more members that are more stronger in the faith, then I can say, let's proceed. But for now, let's stabilize it. Number two, we need to have a school in that kingdom, a functioning school. And that have made us to establish a school in the village of Abere. There were two schools that were established before. One was established in one other village, they call it Bulugagan. But that school was shut down. Why? Because the school was not registered with the government. You can't run a school that is not registered with the government. If you are running it, when the children round up with the first six years, which is the elementary school, they cannot write the government exam to go to high school. It's not possible. So the school must be registered. So we plan to register the school. We went to inquire from the government, what does it take to register the school? In fact, long ago, we planned that. We inquired, and they told us that you must have qualified teachers. I think that was why we, I told Pastor Nick Chaplin, and that led to this church helping to train four pastors, uh, four, four women, no, one, one pastor, a BTB, and the other three, women to become qualified teachers 
of which my wife, she's among those that were trained by this church in the College of Education in Nigeria, or in the university, how you call it, I don't know. But today, we have qualified teachers. Now that we have qualified teachers, I have to go back to the government. We already have qualified teachers. So what does it take now to register the school? And they said, there are three things. Number one, you needed a land, a landed property. Number two, you need a minimum of 10 classrooms for elementary school. In Nigeria, we call it primary school. The 10 classroom theory will be used for press, press. We call it press school or this, the play group, the little children. Yes, play group one, two, and three. Then before you start elementary one to six. So that is nine classes already. Then the headmaster or headmistress need one room as office, making it to become 10 classrooms that you must have that then you must have qualified teachers so i told them we already have land in the village of abere and we also have qualified teachers can we go ahead and build the school building and they said no you can't do that there you must have a school in the town or in the city that will be a mother school to that very one in the village. Why? Because of their experience when they try to shut down the first school. Uh, trying to go back and shut down the second school, the boys in that community will rise up against the government officials. Because there's no school. The church is trying to give us school. You shut down the first one, you shut down the second one. There will be some conflict. So they know that. So they said, the best thing, when you have a mother school in the town, then that mother school now give birth. They now have satellite school in the villages. When they, because there's what they call the curriculum, uh, regular school curriculum that the, every class teacher must prepare for his student. So, and they call, there's another one they call the continuous assessment. All the tests that they are taking, everything must be written out. So they don't want to go to the village and begin to demand those things from the, from the teachers in the village. They want a school in the town that they can walk down to and says, we need the curriculum. We need the continuous assessment of the schools in the village. So they hold the mother school accountable in the town. So the mother school is the one that they deal with. If they are not satisfied with what they are doing in the, in the village, they can shut down the mother school in the town. They can say, we are shutting you down. But they can't go to village and do that in the village. That is the reason we now decide that for this school to be registered, we must have a school in the town called Sapele, where the headquarters church is existing. That is the reason. If not, we will not have talked about putting a school in Sapele. And for that to happen, it means we must purchase the land in Sapele. And if you are purchasing a land in Sapley, you are going to deal with the government. When you purchase the land, you will go to the government. You will, you will have a surveyor that is going to survey the land. You will write a deed, a deed of conveyance. You are going to do all these things. You are going to call an architect to do the drawing, the building drawing. The government people, you take it to the government, the government will look at this, we are not satisfied. Take it back. So you have to do some working, spend money, all these things. So we concluded that to get a land that is 100 feet length and 100 feet breadth, 
it's going to be $10,000 to purchase that land. Then to build this, the 10 classroom, we approximate $20,000. Total of $30,000 to purchase the land and register the school, build the school also. That is the money we are actually pursuing in this trip. And by the grace of God, I shared the same thing in South Branda Worship Center in Branda. And God just tear up some people there. And uh, one man just stood up and said, I'm giving $10,000. Someone else stood up and said, I'm giving $9,000. And before we realized, we saw that that church just brought in $22,500. We were shocked. So as we are talking now, we, the total amount we have raised so far is $24,600 we have got. So we have $5,400 to go. And once I got that, before October next year, you will see the building every step. If we purchase the land, I will, send, I, I will send everything to Pastor Nick. This is the land. If we start the foundation, this is the foundation. When we finish it, you will see it. By October, you will see everything done. So that is what we are looking forward to. We, we are not called by God to only carry the gospel and give to people. We are also called to change culture. To change the way people think. Because the life of children, the next generation that will take over, if you do not affect them, their soul, then you, you will fall back again to where you were running out from. So that is why we are trying to give them education. To quickly round up, I realized something that we as Christians, we are called by God to be the light of the world in all area, not just in the spiritual area alone. Every area. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. You are the light of the world. When Jesus was on earth. Jesus said in John chapter 9. Verse 5, it said, As long I am in the wall, I am the light of the wall. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light yes. of the world. Yes. He that followeth me <laughs> shall not walk in darkness, yes. but shall have the light of life. Yes. He that followeth me. Number one. Shall not walk in darkness. Number two, you shall have the light that produces life to people. You shall have the light inside you, the Holy Spirit. The word of God, the light. The word is a, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You shall 
have. The word of God will illuminate your mind. The Holy Spirit, the light will walk inside you to produce life. You give life to people. Look at a kingdom. A kingdom of almost a million people. See the multitude of lives that have been affected today spiritually. Now we are about to affect them, their thinking. Even the little children. See what the light is actually doing in that old kingdom. In each of villages, because there is no electricity, you will see them with their, you see the children or the women with their lantern. If you have money to have a generator, you get a little generator, then you power, you put a little bit of electricity in your house and power it. If not, the government does not give electricity. If you ask each of children, what do you use light for? What is the function of light? Each of children will tell you three things. They will mention three things without even thinking about it. They will tell you, in the night, when you carry the lantern, or you take the torch, they will tell you, number one, we use light to see. Light makes people to see. When Jesus was on earth, Jesus made people to see the true nature of the Father. In the Old Testament, people don't know who the father is. They don't know him. They see God in the old covenant that God is a consuming fire. When you commit any mistake, it just come and pound on you. <laughs> Heat on you. That is how they saw God in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, he revealed who the Father is. That the Father is a loving and compassionate Father. It's a merciful Father. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, a woman commit adultery in the Old Testament? You must die. Who said... Who told Moses to write it as law? It's God. So a woman committed adultery. They brought this woman to Jesus. And said, Jesus, according to the word of God, spoken by Moses, that this woman that have committed adultery should be stoned to death. What do you have to say about this? What did Jesus did? Jesus knew these guys don't know who the father is. Today, I'm going to reveal who the father is to them. So how did Jesus reveal the father? Instead of death, Jesus replaced it with life. The woman supposed to be stoned to death. Jesus poured out his love and gave life to the woman. The woman was condemned by the people because of a mistake. But Jesus gave freedom to the woman. The woman was rejected by men. I said, get out, go. Stay there alone. But Jesus um, received the woman. That is who the father is. No matter the mistake you have done in life, the father is stretching forth his hand and saying, I still love you. Come, come forth. Who among you as a father? Because your child 
took this, opened it up, and split it on the ground, on the floor. Then you will now take your AK-47 and say, you are a wicked shot. <laughs> and kill your shot. Will you do that? No. What will you do? You will just come, maybe the highest, you spank the shot. When you spank the shot, then you pull the shot to yourself. And say, you still remain my shot. Come and eat. There's food for you. There's ice cream for you to take. That's what you will do. So the people don't know that that is the nature of our father. Jesus revealed the father to us. That is the job of light. And that is our job. To reveal to the people that God is a loving and compassionate father. Number two, if you see an injured boy with a lantern and you ask him, what other job do you use the light for? They will tell you that light drives away darkness. Light drives away darkness. You don't see light negotiating with darkness. Light don't ask darkness questions. When light walk into a dark environment, the darkness must give way. The darkness must give way. So, when Jesus was on earth, everywhere he found devil, he drive them away. Everywhere he see the works of darkness, he used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to destroy the works of darkness. If he sees demon walking in the life of any child, he attacked that demon and rebuked them. Get out! Take for example, Jesus was walking down and here was somebody loaded, loaded with demons. The guy took a stone, he was cutting his body. When Jesus, the light was coming, when those demons saw Jesus coming, they cried out, Jesus, Son of God, why did you come to torment us before that time? Leave us alone, send us into these pigs, into the swine. Let's run into the sea, please. When light comes, darkness must give way. You are the light of the world. When you walk into a dark environment, you are expected by God to deal with every power of darkness in that place. Yeah. That is the reason we pray, we bind the devil, yeah. we rebuke him. I can't watch the devil invading my family, destroying the life of my children. In my present, I won't allow that. I don't need to talk to my children. All I need to do, get into my room, lock up myself, and declare some days of fasting, and rescue the life of my children from the power of darkness. I can't allow the enemy to turn my children into the street and make them a laughing talk in this society. I won't allow that. It's my job as the light to stand my ground. Pray against the power of darkness to leave them alone. Rebuke those forces so that peace will come. That is what we did in Ijoland. We bind Ibisu. Every time it comes, when he finished preaching, I says, you have to pray warfare prayer. And we come, we stand in the platform. Pastor Nick, we, we stand and begin to declare. We bind you. I say, yes, you are dealing, you are actually the light of the world. To deal with the darkness in this kingdom. 
And that was why we, we, we succeeded in what we did all these years. Number three, lastly, when you bring in your lantern, you own a light in a dark environment. The light will attract all kinds of insects. Some insects will come to attack the light. Why some insects will come and be around the light to enjoy the warmness of the heat? They become blessing to the light. As the light of the world, your life will attract all kinds of people. Some people will come to criticize you. Some will come just to look what you are doing and walk into the city and open their mouth and begin to say, this guy is a bad guy. They came to attack you. But some guys will come. They will come to be a blessing. They will be around you. The heat coming out of you, the burning fire of the Holy Ghost coming out of you is going to radiate and affect their life and they will be blessed. When those people that are attracted into your life because you are light come into your life, what do you do? Do you attack them back? Do you see light? Fighting darkness? Have you ever seen light standing and beginning to have contention with darkness? No? Do you see light fighting insects? That the light will say, where is the insect? I'm going, I'm going after you. No. What did Jesus say that you should do to those insects? That come to attack you. Jesus, he blessed them. Why? Because they don't even know what they are doing. They don't know that there is something inside you. The Christ in you. The glory of God in you is enough to protect you. To defend you. They don't know what you carry. So Jesus says, don't curse them. Because if you curse them, the power of God in you will take your word and bring it to effect in their life. So instead of cursing them, bless them. If they are hungry, what do you do? Give them food to eat. Why? They don't know what they are doing. That is Christianity. If you have been a Christian for 10 years, Nobody criticize you. No insect attack you. You better ask yourself, am I a Christian? Because your life must attract all kind of people and be expecting attack from people. Expect it. It must come. But when they attack you, behave as the light. You are stable. You are unmovable. This light is unmovable. It's stable. It doesn't argue for the servant of God must not strive. If I tell you what I have seen in, in this age of work, what my eyes have seen, what some people that I raised up did to me, if I reacted to, to those, to their action, Probably the churches, some of them would have closed down. But I refuse because I know I'm the light. Some people that I assisted, they turn around and say, oh, Pastor is a stupid man. Pastor is this, is that, is that. We don't like him. We don't. The same people that came that I bless, I lay hand on them, I pray for them, I ordain them, I release them. Then, I gave them money, turn around and go into the town and begin to say, oh, Pastor Wilson, he's not a nice guy. He's this and that. 
Then somebody will run to me and says, hey, did you hear what they are saying about you? I said, what did they say? When I hear it, I say, oh, shall we praise the Lord? Let's clap our hands. Pastor, do you know what they are saying? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Oh, yes, I understand. Shall we praise God? And let's clap our hands. Hallelujah. And the person will look at me and just walk away and say, Pastor, do not understand what is happening. I say, I understand more than you. Because I know insects must come and attack. But bless all the insects. Do them good. And you will see the mighty hand of God in your life. Shall we burden our head for prayer?